the Strategic Hot Box with Dr. Brandy Love Stankovic. Discussing leadership, business, and how to take control of your life and achieve greatness. It's time to kick some ass. It's your girl, Dr. Brandy Stankovic. Welcome back to the Strategic Hotbox. Today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that is how we keep our community alive. It's been quite the year that we've all faced here this year, and what can we be doing as institutions to support one another, or what's happened over the last several months? What happened right off the bat where we can really support our members? And we have a very special guest that will be joining us here in just a second, Pat Neighbors, and I'll introduce you to her shortly. When it comes to the environment, certainly at the very beginning, all of us go into disaster recovery mode and we're getting urgent with our actions and we're, we're creating this new norm, normal of a virtual environment and keeping our employees and our families healthy and safe. And so much has changed over the months. The world asked us to socially isolate. You know, humanity was coming together and there was a whole different level of global connectivity and engagement. And I I think that in in some ways we all can prepare for disasters we can prepare for things that could come up but i don't think any of us could have prepared for something that would completely pull the e-brake on the economy and have so many people be out of a job or having organizations having to make such tough decisions governments are doing what they can do across the globe to stimulate the economy to support those with different levels of emergency aid and ongoing aid. And just like those of us that might be listening that were a part of the Great Recession back in the earlier 2000s, 2007 to 10, 12, it, it was a time of real shift in behavior for financial institutions as well. And, and yet it didn't happen as abruptly as what we faced here in 2020. And so what are the long-term impacts going to be? How can we as institutions, as leaders, continue to support one another? What do we do now? What should we do into the future? And what should we have been doing all along? And that's part of what this has done and reset for everyone is what, what uh, new business practices are you instituting to be able to take care of our members well into the future? And when it comes to some of that long-term impact, I think it will impact things like, and there's a lot of talk about impact things like education and the future of education on investments and private investment in our own personal investments of, of both uh, time as well as financial resources. And then any entrepreneurial activity. Um, we've talked about being an entrepreneur on the Hotbox. I've urged all of us to, to get out there and continue your efforts in business. But there's a lot of risk involved and a lot of people might have been burned in the things that they've had to face over the last several months. Communities and small businesses will continue to push forward, many of which will continue to drive uh, forward, drive growth because of the passion and leadership that they have and the support they have from different community institutions. So what can we as, as leaders do to help one another, to lend a helping hand and to really not only drive our own growth, but to support the people that are outside of that, our neighbors, other small businesses, other local organizations. And somebody, no one better really, to support and to understand and learn from than my friend Pat Neighbors. 
Now, Pat is the, if you don't know her already, is the president chief operator or chief executive officer, excuse me, at Vocality Community Credit Union. And you may have known as previously known as the Community Credit Union of South Humboldt, Southern Humboldt. And she is a DE. So shout out to all of my DE friends. She's a DE of 2016. And she's also Rotary International Disaster and Humanitarian Relief. She has her bachelor's in business management. And she is a pioneer, but outspoken and passionate about leadership. So I'm very welcoming and I'd like you to help me welcome Pat Neighbors. Hey, Pat, how are you? Hi, Brandy. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited so, that you're uh, here. I'm pretty excited too. Uh, it's uh, been busy times for the credit union uh, personally, and uh, I know that our staff's been busy and everybody's pretty well been uh, taken to the max for the last few months. No doubt about it. And you serve a unique community, do you not? We, we serve a very unique community and that's been very interesting for me. I've been with this credit union about five years now out of my 35 years in the, in the industry. And um, it's, um, it's different here. It's very, very small community. It's very, very tight knit. And um, you have to learn your way around so that um, folks trust you. And I think that's pretty normal in a small community situation. Yeah. No and uh, this community is probably, a, I'm sorry, it's a little tighter knit than maybe some others uh, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And what, uh, tell us about your leadership journey then. What are some things that you've learned along the way? Well, I'm uh, starting 35 years this month, actually, I always say actually last April, um, this is my 35th anniversary with the credit union industry or, or uh, movement as many of us like to call it. So it's been a quite a long drive and um, it's been a very windy and interesting drive. So uh, learning a lot from the ground up as many of us have, I started as a teller, was a branch manager to consumer lending and mortgage lending and started one of the first call centers back in the day. We will not mention what decade that started and oh, uh, have cool. made my way through to be able to uh, manage a credit union and run a credit union. It's been my life's passion, so I'm happy to be here. Well, that's neat. I think that the greatest part about stories like yours is no one better to know the business is someone that has touched so many aspects of the business. I love that. Well, it certainly kept me busy over the years. I can't quite say it's kept me out of trouble, but it certainly kept me busy for 35 years. And uh, when you're, so tell us a little bit about what your credit union did, is doing in regards to the pandemic and what's happening in your community or did happen this year. Sure, it's it's been a, a really interesting long road for us as it has been, I'm sure for many. Uh, the credit union was was very lucky to complete our disaster recovery game plan by the addition of a mobile branch. And I don't mean the mobile branch on your phone. I mean a, an actual four-wheel uh, semi-truck that we are able to deploy to assist our outlying folks. And, and people who may not be familiar with rural Northern California, those across the nation often think of California as um, 
things like LA and San Francisco. And when you think California, you think those big, wonderful cities. We're in God's country up here. We are within the Redwoods. We're smack in the middle of the Redwoods. And many of you may or may not have heard the term behind the Redwood curtain. And that's exactly where we are. So I've deployed a van. Literally, it's a big metal box wow. with an ATM in it an office space and it's four-wheel drive and it runs on 100 gallons of diesel and uh, has a generator and a satellite dish and we take it out to our outlying areas i have a five county uh, membership base and those folks need us because as you know lots of big banks have begun to remove themselves from uh, very rural areas simply because of that profit game plan and we realize there are folks out there who are underserved or not served by others. And we're trying to, to address that with the van, as well as it's been beautiful for disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a great tool that you had ready to employ right away. So it, it is something that you can then get out into the field or get out into the trees, amongst trees with your membership. And how have <laughs> the, the staff, the board, and has everybody just been it's working together seamlessly or did you have some moments of trying to figure some things out? I think all of us had moments to figure everything out. I was really grateful again that we had a game plan to start from. And I think mm -hmm. that's things we all learned from. Um, Katrina helped us put some things together. We all remember that. Uh, we had the wildfires here locally, 2017, mm -hmm. 2018. And hoping that, and luckily at the end of 2019, uh, not too much to deal with. And we're hoping we don't have any more of those as we roll through fire season of 2020. Those types of things gave us some footholds and some some cornerstones to build from. The, the, the takeaways, I believe, are being able to be nimble to move forward when things change. And I think that's a huge takeaway that we have from this most recent, I hate to call it an incident. I'm not quite sure you want to call this past, this past few months here in 2020. I have yet to put my finger on what I really want to call it that I can say in mixed company. Yeah. But, no, but the, 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 nimble, the nimbleness of being able to make a decision on the fly. Yesterday may have been, and again, I'm, I'm talking in, in the general sense, yesterday we may have let folks in without masks. The day after that, we were all deciding whether we would let people in without masks. Some of us were deciding whether we were locking our doors and sending folks completely through electronic channels. Uh, many of us decided to lock our doors and let people in a few at a time. Uh, it has been an opportunity for us to continue to help our members understand the electronic rails are one of the mm. best ways that we can continue services when cash can't be handed back and forth between one another. Um, electronic rails have really been a savior for our membership and, and our member, members be able to uh, do work with other people. And speaking of that, I know that you do serve in your community a number of cannabis-related businesses. How has that been a shift considering how cash-driven that environment is? 
Well, it's one of the toughest things we deal with and have dealt with for years. Uh, believe it or not, we do have folks using our night drop and we have folks using our ATM to make their deposits and we are urging folks to do that. It is still very much a cash-based uh, economy, specifically here in Humboldt. Uh, we are in the Emerald Triangle after all. And um, that is something that is continuing to be an issue for us. And I don't mean that just in the county here, but just federally across the nation, uh, the dealing with cannabis accounts, banking cannabis accounts, which our organization's been doing for years, frankly. Um, you know, cannabis has been legal in one way or another in California for more than 20 years now. Uh, we have been serving a portion of that group for quite some time. And getting them into the mainstream has been a, a challenge. And I have uh, spoken directly with many of our legislators and uh, congressmen and regulators to help them understand that the easier we make it for those folks to join into the Federal Reserve System, the safer we can make our communities and, frankly, those folks who are trying to do business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I think that that all the things that you said, all types of retail businesses, whether it's cannabis related, whether it's credit unions, et cetera, have had to made it, make adjustments on how we serve. And some of those impacts will be long-term. I mentioned the economic crisis it, that we saw in 2008-ish. And I know I was working for a financial institution in California when all of this happened. And I remember watching the news at night, not knowing what that meant for my career and my future, my, my future family, et cetera. And and, uh, and it was a difficult time. Are there any lessons that we learned from then that you are applying or we could, others could apply now? You know, one of the things that I, I have seen over the, the last little bit is this, I'm gonna keep calling it an environment, an incident, I believe. The the incident from the pandemic, the, the, the COVID-19 issue has been uh, very challenging for many. I think that there are going to be long lasting issues based on small businesses here locally frankly during the first few weeks of things many small businesses here shut down and we're a very small town in a very small county so a lot of small businesses had to close their doors and are waiting for continued relief uh, some of them we fear of course will not reopen those doors so much mm -hmm. like 2008 i think that there are folks who will be have impacts on this many, many years after. We certainly have seen the same kind of um, emergency reaction from the FOMC uh, with the reduction of rates. And we were all just beginning to take a sigh of relief when we were beginning to see rates uh, begin to rise over the last few years after 10 years of such a low rate environment. And uh, now we're back where we were in 2008 with basically uh, the Fed rate at basically nothing. We all are worried about what our investments are going to look like. And I'm not even thinking about consumers. We're talking about financial institutions and what our investments are going to look like and what this is going to do to our liquidity, what this is going to do to our loan portfolios. All of those things from 2008, it feels just a little bit like deja vu. And I think that the full impact of what this means will be quite some time to roll itself out and really um, display itself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that we could we could even try to guess what the impact it's going to have or model the impact based on previous times. And there will be things that surface that that none of us have even dealt with before. In one of our other discussions on the podcast in previous times, we talked about how abrupt some of it felt and and having to employ some of these these recovery plans that some people hadn't dusted off on their shelf since the last time the regulator asked for it, right? I mean, it, you think about that and just the environment forced that amongst us. Now, I have heard that the cannabis-related businesses are recession-proof, that everybody's going to always want the weed, <laughs> so the stores are going to be fine. Um, Tell me, what do you think? <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting thing. That particular product line has been around long before it was legal. We all know that. It's been around for centuries, decades, eons, uh, name, a, name a timeline. So is it going to continue? We, of course, know that it will because uh, it's called a weed for a reason. However, uh, it has had impact. It has had impact economically here locally and it will uh, across the nation. Uh, those places that are working toward retail still have to deal with small farmers for the most part that are growing that product. There are small places that are doing the production and the manufacturing and the lab work and all those types of things. And we must remember that cannabis is not available through a, a lending situation. As much as we talk about the Safe Banking Act and those types of things, which I still hold hope will eventually somehow or another be passed, it's important that that includes a lending perspective because currently, while I do offer deposit products, I'm not doing lending for cannabis right now because it's just very risky. Uh, we hold uh, pick uh, an initialed agency and any one of those of course supersedes anything having to do with any collateral on those loans so we would have to look at those as completely unsecured with the expectation that um, an, ag an agency could come in and take the collateral that we would be holding for any loan so um, there's a lot involved with that and, and one of the hardest parts is while the SBA has kicked in and we know that PPP uh, the payroll protection program and uh, the idle loans, EIDL loans through SBA, uh, have been uh, somewhat impactful, and that remains again to be seen how impactful they are. Uh, the SBA was very quick to put something in play from a guarantee perspective. However, none of the cannabis businesses are eligible for that. Those are federal funds, and uh, mm. those folks are not eligible to put in for those loans. So there's going to be a long term effect on the production factor or even potentially the retail factor of um, legally licensed cannabis businesses to see how they pull out of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, what are some strategies if somebody is wanting to execute and or enhance some of the things that they're doing in their communities, what are some things that they can do? How can they, one, prepare better for the future and two, continue to serve their community right now? Well, some of the things that we've done uh, just to prepare ourselves for, we hope disasters that aren't waiting in the wings, made a major connection with the Office of Emergency Services locally, and that's been very advantageous for us in the, in the last short term here. Uh, we're aware of what's going on. They contact us and ask us for assistance. Uh, again, the mobile van has been deployed specifically on the request of our local uh, OES system to try to keep folks from um, 
going to places where you don't want them to go, trying to, again, as we were working on social distancing, trying to keep that in play, keeping people in their towns as opposed to going to other towns for services. So that's something, obviously not everybody's going to buy a mobile van, but I use that as an example of trying to think ahead. I was very grateful that we had that in play, in play ahead of time. Other pieces of the puzzle of just working with local community uh, areas, your local nonprofits. Uh, I've been uh, fielding for, for quite some time, uh, local nonprofit calls, what can we do? How can we help? Uh, where can we get connections? So what's normal for us in our small community um, probably is a I'll say a best practice for those that might be in larger communities that may not have direct connection with their sheriff or police department. I know my sheriff by first name. Uh, I, uh, I see him at many gatherings together. We, uh, we know who our Rotarians are. We know who our nonprofit people are. We know who our business leaders are. And um, we've been able to very quickly and nimbly get a, a group of advisors together so that we're all on the same page as we're making decisions about our businesses and frankly decisions that we feel can help the community um, I just uh, had out on my some things we've done sorry uh, we have put uh, out on our webpage the offering of our conference line for small uh, small businesses or, or nonprofits many of them necessarily in today's economy with things happening around us have the reserves or the uh, income coming in to pay for a conference line so the credit union has one uh, we're a community partner with many of these people so uh, we've offered our conference line for folks to use if they need to do that just an example oh, that's great. of things to support other businesses. I was uh, giggling to myself when you said that you know the sheriff by first name. I thought, is this from <laughs> business relations or? Uh, but yeah, I think that having those partnerships with, with community leaders can be really powerful and getting out there and making those connections if institutions or businesses don't have them, leaders don't have them. Now's the time to reach out, you know, whether uh, they there's some restrictions still in play in some areas or not, then to be able to have conversations with the community and create better connections. And then also when you have resources, like you mentioned, if you have resources that you can offer or or a line that you can offer where telephone, et cetera, being able to do that. That's excellent. Any lessons learned along the way, things you wish you would have done differently? I think just remaining nimble has, has been the most important thing for us to think through. Uh, you know, we, we held on to uh, some decisions probably a little longer than we ought to have based on uh, discussions and decisions that were made and we were seeing in the media and then finding a couple of times that we had to really quickly uh, make some changes with our activity or our uh, business services options. One of the things I would also share from that perspective is the opportunity to reach out to those other businesses um, more quickly and have them in pocket, if you will, before we need them. I, I feel very, very lucky that we've been able to build those relationships early on and that those relationships actually have uh, sustained us uh, through things. Uh, it's It's been helpful and we, we believe that that's going to help us moving forward. We're, we're community partners. We, we're all in it together and I think that that's been a positive thing for us. Other lesson learned, I would say, is recognizing that as a credit union, we often think first of our credit union uh, resources. 
Mm. I've learned in this small community that reaching out beyond our industry has also been helpful for to me. For me, the um, the other resources, the Small Business Development Center uh, in our community has been very helpful with connecting our small businesses to folks they need to connect with. Uh, they've been able to help folks through many of the challenges that uh, we've been experiencing recently with, with the incidents that we're dealing with with COVID-19. So those types of things beyond the service groups, beyond the, the service organizations and the nonprofits, recognizing that there are service channels out there that we need to be not necessarily into our elbows with, but at least uh, fingertips so that we can make those connections and re-energize those relationships as we need them, should we need them. Yeah, and no, and no year has taught us that more powerfully, I think, than this year has. And so uh, thank you for, for sharing the, those lessons learned. Do you have a funny story you could share with us? Well, I have a funny story from back in the day when I was a teller. Uh, it's not a funny story locally or, or recently, but I, I tell it to my new staff when they get introduced to everybody around the credit union. Uh, when we hire people who have never worked for a financial institution before and, and they have that, that fluttery feeling of, oh my goodness, this is really, really jargon filled and I have no idea what I'm doing. And and it all seems like smoke and mirrors. I tell them the story of my first teller job as a part-time teller in a two-person office in the middle of the SunSuite plant in Yuba City, California. And I had a branch manager who liked to instruct by handing you something and then just telling you what to do with it, which is wonderful because after a while you learn. And uh, she continued to hand me people's check orders. And this is this was back in the 80s, so hold tight. Remember, credit unions had just gotten the opportunity to even have checking accounts at that point. Mm -hmm. So she would hand me these people's check orders and she'd say, put this in the envelope, send it to the place, and be sure to write on it, Bill Branch Direct. I thought, okay. <laughs> and I did that for several weeks, and I did that for several weeks, and I finally turned to her and I said, could you please tell me who this guy Bill Branch is and why am I sending this to him directly? <laughs> And, and that's when she said, oh, okay, I probably need to be a little more specific in my instructions to you, uh, the little bit of why along with the, the what. And that was just a moment for me. Um, as a leader, I kind of tucked that one away and said, that's kind of what I need to think about when I'm instructing folks or asking folks or directing folks to do something. The why is pretty important and the, and the how is pretty important along with the what to do. Yeah, no one of my favorite stories of my life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So I have some quick response questions for you. Are you up for it? I'm going to give you a this or that. I will do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Hit, hit All right. Me. Beaches, beaches or mountains? Ocean beaches or lake beaches? Because the answer is beach if it's a lake beach. Okay. Mountains. I like that answer. PC or Mac? PC. I'm with you. And wine, wine or beer? Wine all the way. I'm not much of a wine connoisseur. Beer, however. <laughs> and last, uh, last one, locally sourced or nationally recognized? 
Oh, I would be hung out to dry if I did not answer this correctly. Locally sourced, of course. <laughs> and that if you answer fill it in the blank, if I could, I would blank every day. If I could, I would sit on my back porch and look at my beautiful backyard every day. Oh, wow, I love that. And the world would be a better place if the world would be a better place if we all would remember that everything we do impacts somebody or many somebody's else. We are all connected. If people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Well, they can email me. They can phone me. I'm happy to give you my cell number. Can I do that right now? Sure, please. Terrific. My cell number, 509-895-4677. If I'm awake, more than more chance than not, I'll answer the phone for you. Uh, uh, it sits by me. It never leaves my side. And my email, p.neighbors, like next door p.neighbors at vocalityccu.org. Happy to talk. Thank you anybody. so much. Excellent. Thank you, Pat, for being here and sharing your story with us. I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Brandy. Let's it was wonderful. Out. Thanks for having me. Let's head out to our shout out. Hello. Good luck, Brandy, from Vietnam. I love the international shout outs. They're so fun. Thank you from my friends in Vietnam. Thank you again for Pat Neighbors for joining us here today on the Hotbox. Let's get right into it. It's time for us to give you top three kick ass. When leading an organization locally, when developing a community after disaster, what do we do? Number one, first to be nimble. Pat said it over and over. I can't agree more. We've got to be fluid in our responsiveness. We've got to be able to adjust ourselves as we go and think fast. I mean, everything that's happened this year in 2020, we did not predict and it happened very quickly. And so be nimble. Number two is to follow fast. And I put follow fast in here because it is not only being nimble, but going with the flow. That's I certainly learned that lesson this year of being able to just to go with what comes at me, be prepared for anything, and to follow in quickly, know what I have to do, follow the rules, which was a little tougher for me than I was expecting, but follow quickly, follow fast, and be in it. And number three is that we are stronger together. The community is stronger together. You as a leader are stronger with your allies. Synergy is the, is the name of the game. That's your top three kick-ass. Thank you for all of you pioneers and followers and listeners and joiners of the Strategic Hotbox. We appreciate you. Hit us up on social media if you need us. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of them would be great. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, get out there and kick some ass.